You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. What up, everybody, and welcome to episode 53 of 2, 5, and 10. Benny, the regular season has started. It feels like we finally got to that point. It, it was a long summer in some aspects, some aspects a very short one. Uh, what do you think of week one so far? The Rangers are undefeated. They're on pace for an 82-0 season. Mika Zibanejad is the greatest player in NHL history. So as you can tell, small sample size. Small sample size. So I like it. So not only playoffs, but we're going undefeated. Mika Zibanejad, they're building the statue now outside of MSG. I, I'm just excited to... Uh, I can only imagine where this conversation is going to go today, so this should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'll get into uh, the Mika worship when uh, we do the Rangers Rangers weekend review. But uh, Austin Matthews is off to a big start, um, big injury news in Pittsburgh, and a couple extensions were signed last week too. So, kind of a exciting first week, if you will, for the league to start off in October. Yeah, I mean, one question, since you're the Rangers guy, you brought up Zibanejad, I just figured I have to ask. Um, do you think he, like, feathered his hair a different way this year, making him a little bit more aerodynamic to get off to the start? Or uh, just thoughts? Maybe it was a different highlight color? or I, I think he went with a little bit darker of a blonde this year in those roots, but I think it's more so that the hair is a little bit longer. So now that it's a little bit longer, he can really feel the hair flow when he's going full speed, and he just loves the feeling of the cold air on the back of his neck, so he keeps going full bore. Uh, hey, I mean, whatever works. You know, I, I am unbiased. Whatever works for you works, and if that's what it takes to get this big fella going, then that's what it is. The Greek god. The Greek god. The Swedish <laughs> Greek god. Um, well, I guess before we get to a little Bruins and Rangers talk towards the end, a couple of big extensions this week. Yeah, Braden Shen signed an eight-year, $52 million extension with the St. Louis Blues, so an average AAV of $6.5 million. And Alex Zabrinkat signed a three-year extension with the Blackhawks, paying him just under $7 million per year on average. Uh, what are your thoughts on the two deals, I guess, from a player point of view? And then do you think this is a good deal since both players would have been eligible for uh, – Restricted free agency and non-restricted free agency after the, at the end of the season. Uh, personally, for me, I would have waited just a little bit longer for DeBrinkets. And it's just one of those things of, I don't want to say untrustworthy, but it, it almost seemed a little lightning in a bottle-ish last year, the way he kind of took off. And yeah, 40 I, goals. I, yeah, like, if I'm Stan Bowman, I just want to make sure that he would definitely be at least on that pace this year, starting out. And then I feel more comfortable giving it to him. As for the Braden Shendale, I mean, well-deserved. Um, you could see it all last year through the postseason, throughout the regular season. The kid's just an absolute stud workhorse. Got it done. He keeps getting it done. On that end, I have no questions about the future or worries. But, yeah, the Debrinket one, uh, I'm just a, a little on the wary side of it. That's all on my end. Yeah, for DeBrinket, I think for me, it boils down to, for him, he wins in this deal because he has that 140-goal year under his belt. I mean, he's extremely talented, so I, I don't think 
either of us would be surprised if he pots another 30, 35, 40 goals this year. But if he settle, even if he settles into like a 25, 30 goal a year guy, that is very val- valuable in the open market. So all right, he doesn't get paid uh, his $9 million in one year until year three of that deal, which is the last year of the contract. So for him, it's a win because his qualifying offer, once his contract is up, has to start at that $9 million. That's his base for his next contract. So he was able to set that uh, baseline for him there. But for the Blackhawks, with the AAV coming in at about just under $7 million, that helps give them at least some cost certainty for the next uh, two to three summers in a sense of they don't have to worry about him being overpaid and then trying to fit in additions to the roster. And also Dylan Strom is a restricted free agent at the end of this year, so he might be need to be signed to a big extension if he continues producing like he did in Chicago after the trade from the Coyotes last year. And the other interesting part is this could be a little bit of a changing of the guard once the Brinkats deal is over because – if him and uh, Strom and the young prospects that they've been building up the last two uh, off-seasons develop as planned, they become restricted free agents the same summer that Taze and Kane are, are unrestricted free agents and as they enter their mid to late 30s. So that could be a summer of changing of the yard in about three years. Yeah, one person that you brought up that I want to touch on is definitely Dylan Strom, just because it seemed like Brinkett kind of hit his stride a little bit when Strom came on to the lineup and Mm -hmm. together it seemed like they both kind of take it off. So I just want to know certainty on both ends for them, but also, I mean, can Strom keep producing if he's not with the Brinkett? If if they change these lineups, is he able to still compete and be effective? So that's what I'm really curious to see as to what happens with the two of them this year. Didn't they play together in juniors? Yeah, it was DeBrinket, Strom, and McDavid. And then McDavid oh, so got drafted. Line on that one. Yeah, so McDavid ended up getting drafted, and then it was DeBrinket and Strom left in Erie. And then now we are where we are now. So, Yeah, I mean, Strom was considered – he was a borderline bust in Arizona until this trade, and then he blew up once he, that trade happened. And part of it you can attribute to the new system, playing for a team that – is expected to be a winner. He could be rejuvenated by being in the same room as guys like Kane and Taves and playing for the original six and all that. Or it could just be he's benefiting from his wingers, which are much more talented and proven than who he was playing with in Arizona. So I think they were able to lock up the Brinkat now because they wanted to just get that cost certainty. And it's still not a crippling deal if he kind of underachieves. And last year was his basically his career year. But for Strom, I feel like they're going to wait until at least the end of the year. Uh, the earliest they would do it is around deadline time for an extension because they need to see that they can count on him to be their 2C without having a ride shotgun at the brink catch. So look for the Blackhawks. In my view, if I was upper management, I'd be calling down to Colleton saying, hey, break the, those two guys up a little bit for like a two-week stretch. Put them on a power play with guys that aren't so see if he can actually carry something here on his own. I agree. I think that'll definitely be a a turning point for them in the season. Because, I mean, if he's able to do it with other people outside of just to brink it, then I think you have a really good player on your hands. But if yeah. you're going the other way and it just doesn't work unless they're together, that's scary commitment-wise. Like, why would you want to extend something to them? Like, hey, you got two great players. 
but it could end up being like Colorado was last year, where you have the big three together, but once as they separated, it got a little iffy at points. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see what the future holds out in Chicago. And just a quick comment on the Braden Shen extension. I think, again, a fantastic deal for the Blues. I know Dougie Armstrong doesn't usually give out eight-year extensions or anything beyond five. I think for Trangelo and Tarasenko, they only two he's ever given out. So that tells you all you need to know about what they view Braden Shen off the ice and on the ice. But for me, the $6.5 million, I know it's different because uh, he was still under obligation to the Blues and he didn't hit the open market. But let me put it to you this way. Would you rather have Shen at 28 for 8-52 and 52 or Kevin Hayes at 7? Oh, Shen, no question. Exactly. So he's leaving money on the table to stay in St. Louis. So that Everybody always talks about how great it is to play for the Blues organization and their area and the core of the team has been together for a while. This, for me, cements that because Shen left a ton of money on the table. If he had another typical year, I think he, he has 120-something points in 154 games for the Blues, so just under a point-per-game player for them. At 28 years old, 29, hitting the open market, he would have brought in, I figure, probably like eight and a half, right? I'd say at least that. I, I'm thinking it is, at least as a Bruins guy, I think you almost look at it as kind of like a Patrice Bergeron deal, that mm. you have your guy there long-term, he's willing to leave some on the table, and he just wants to be there. And I mean, as a GM or as the coach or just as a teammate, what more do you want? Yeah. So And, and I also I forgot that they locked Falk up to the seven-year deal, so that's... Uh, two long-term extensions, get him out by Armstrong in the same two-week span, and he hasn't done that since the Tarasenko deal a few years ago. But you look at it like this. You have Petrangelo, who's going to be a free agent soon, and that's going to be an interesting negotiation because he's going to be 30, 31, a lot of miles on those legs. And they let go of their last captain, $10 million? Too. I'm just saying they let go of their last captain, too, so I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they walk from him. But you look at you have Tarasenko locked up. Yeah. Have Shen locked up, O'Reilly, Petrangelo for a couple more years, Pareko. Uh, now you have Justin Falk in the in a room, and you have Bennington on his ELC for two more years, and even him lock, getting locked up. That's a good core in their twenty six to thirty one age frame. So the Blues aren't going to be going anywhere anytime soon. No, um, I agree. That's it, it's solid, and just looking off other teams that have tried to build from the past. I mean, you have to lock down certain players, and those are the guys you want. You want a franchise center, a franchise winger. You got great defensemen, and you got a goalie. I mean, we, we've talked about the uncertainty behind Jordan Bennington in the sense of he only did it for a year. Can you do it again? But if he can pick up this year where he left off last year, I mean, yeah, I think your franchise is going in the right direction. <laughs> um, and then just, I guess, the comments on the news that came out today with the Penguins injury news. Both Nick Bustad and Evgeny Malkin are out long-term. Uh, Mike Sullivan said that Bustad's going to be expected back sooner than Malkin, but Malkin is now not out for the season. That's really the only information they gave. Uh, he was hurt. He collided with Chris Letang on Saturday against Columbus. Uh, with both those two guys out, Jared McCann is now their second-line center. What are your thoughts on how this impacts the Penguins, because now they're going to be really leaning on Crosby earlier than they wanted to, and he's in his age 32 season. Uh, how does this affect their playoff chances in the Eastern Conference, all that? 
I think it affects him huge. I mean, you hear people talk very highly of Evgeny Malkin. I mean, people don't put him in that top three caliber of players. I think that's kind of Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon as to where people are at. But if you go top five or top ten, you're definitely going to hear his name. So anytime you take a player like that out of your lineup, there's always going to be an issue with it. I don't think you can count on Jared McCann to be your number two center and carry a team the way Gino does. That's just crazy. The one thing I don't like the way they come out about this is just Mike Sullivan, the way he says it. Like you want a little bit more detail. Obviously people aren't going to give you what you want. That's life. They're not going to give the media things to play with, but at the same time, I mean, is there surgery involved? Is there not surgery involved? Are you going to hope this plays out and he can come back without having surgery? If he does come back and it doesn't work, is he then going to get surgery? Like, I just feel like there's so many questions with injuries, and I know the coaches don't want to answer this. I know they don't want to show their hands. But at the same time, a little bit more detail is phenomenal because you just know that this is just going to lead into the next set of questions tomorrow it's almost like a bill belichick standing behind the podium you know with that i think this cripples their chances they need sid to go on a nikita kucherov type run and just be completely dominant everywhere granted i do think we may have seen a little bit of a new sid because he got into a fight on saturday night with dubois that i don't think anyone saw coming you know uh gensel got hit and that would be another guy you need to take off is Jake Gensel. So it's like Gensel gets hit, Crosby chases Dubois up the ice, gives him a whack, and drops the gloves. And obviously from your captain and your leader, that's what you want to see. But at the same time, now you can't take Sid off the ice for five minutes. Anytime yeah. you take Sid off the ice, you, your team is being crippled. And it's not just Gino either. It's Bugstad too. Like Those are two huge guys for them. And... Pittsburgh has done it in the past where these guys step into the lineup and they're able to do something. Connor Sherry, Jake Gensel, guys that they've had and they're able to step in. I know Sherry's not there anymore for the record. I understand that people. I'm just going off of the present, the, you know, things that have happened before. I just don't know if they have guys that can fill shoes up to this caliber. That's just the only thing. Yeah. I mean, even go back to a guy like Chris Kunitz who, became an actual goal scorer playing on a wing riding shotgun that's the issue though they're usually able to just plug in wingers in the top six and have them produce because they get their plays elevated by crosby and malkin but you can't expect somebody to plug into malkin spot and elevate those wingers play so the penguin's second line is going to be galchenyuk jared mccann brandon tanev like Crosby and Gensel are going to get grade A assignments every night now, and that's going to start wearing on them. And that's only going to be in October and November. Um, who knows when Busad's going to be back? And before the season, when we we're going over our predictions, we kind of lamented Matt Murray's a little over 80s average. He could be good some nights, whatever. The defense is all right uh, outside of Latang. The Penguins, we kind of had them penciled into the number two or three spot in the Metro. Simple based on you can't count them out as long as they have Crosby and Malkin well and we always said if healthy well now Malkin's out so I think they're going to be battling just to keep their heads above water in a Metro in terms of 
staying in contention for either one of the bracket spots or even for a wild card spot with this. But my real bitch fest about this is, like you said, the vagueness of the injury. It drives me nuts that the NHL allows us, and they've been doing it for years, and I know people have complained about it for years. Upper body injury, lower body injury. He'll be back this year at some point. We don't know when. We don't know what happened to his leg. We, we don't know if he needs surgery. We don't know. We do know if he needs surgery, but we don't know what kind of surgery. That's bullshit because you owe it to the fans. You don't need to say every little detail, but you take a look at the, like Major League Baseball. If a player, if a pitcher leaves the game because of an injured shoulder, by the next morning, you know what's wrong, what doctor he's going to see, and if what the diagnosis is, and that carries a typical recovery timetable. Done. And like you said, if that unknown continues and the Penguins start struggling in November, December, the entire room, Crosby, the coaching staff, all they're going to hear is, when's Malcolm coming back? When Busad is coming back? Instead of just eliminating that distraction immediately. And I hate the point of it, too, where they came in. He says, there, he's going to miss a significant amount of time, but he's not out for the year. Yeah, he'll come back in, like, end of March. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so, like, where does that leave them at? Because this this is the other thing, too, where it leaves the door open. Okay, it's not he's not done for the year. What, if you make it to the playoffs and then you insert Evgeny Malkin? Or, depending on where you stand, if you guys are in the playoff picture, you know what, Gino, shut it down, come back next year. Yeah, and who knows by the time you get to that. But, yeah, I just hate the vagueness of it. I, I guess I can understand it more during the playoffs where you don't, mid-game, you don't need to release an update or, like, mid-series. But regular season, man, like, come on, who gives a shit? Like, the fan, your fans deserve to know what's going on with their team. It, not just your team, your star player. One of your two star players. Um, and also, sorry if I seemed a little distracted just now, I got a breaking news alert on my phone. Ding, 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 ding. Apparently, the New York Rangers have traded forward Vladislav Nemesnikov to the Ottawa Senators... Uh, the return is unknown. It's looking like a third or fourth round pick in the minor leaguer. Interesting. All right. I mean, you you called that though in one of our previews coming up towards that you thought that Nemestikov was going to be off that lineup at some point. Yeah, once one of the kids was ready, but I don't think a week after training camp, one of the kids is suddenly ready. So that's interesting. Um, if I get more, I'll, I'll bring up what the actual return is, but. Uh, yeah, Nemesnikov, he was part of the Ryan McDonough, J.T. Miller trade. Looks like he's on a move from New York to Ottawa. Good luck, man. <laughs> hey, uh, looking at it the other way, I think that makes Ottawa's lineup a little bit better, though. Oh, uh, yeah, the bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. God damn it. <laughs> um, anyway, so kind of wanted to focus in, I know each week, especially last season, uh, we can talk about the Rangers and Bruins randomly and for a long time throughout each uh, episode. But I figured uh, we can go off the news at the top of the show and give our thoughts on that and then kind of segue into a Bruins week in review for a couple minutes and a Rangers week in review in a couple minutes, go over the games that were played and just thoughts and observations from the uh, week before recording. So uh, I don't know if you want to go first or you want me to kick this off with the Rangers. Uh, you could kick it off with the Rangers, but before we go to that, do we want to touch on that uh, the Maple Leafs have finally named a captain? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Everybody thought it was going to be Austin Matthews, but they pulled a little, uh, I guess, a minor shocker with the JT announcement. I, I just have a question. I, I don't know if you feel a certain way. It's just, obviously, it's Toronto media, in a sense, but it gets played up that he has the court case for indecent exposure that he doesn't have to report to. His law, his lawyer is going to be there. Not, not a decent exposure, just misconduct. You know, pulls his ass out in front of a security guard or whatever it is, has too many wobbly pops and becomes that. But do you think that's the reason why Matthews didn't get it? Or do you think the whole time it was JT and then, you know, this comes out at that point and maybe it's just the media runs with it a little bit? Yeah, I mean... This is a decision I feel like was made before this whole thing occurred in terms of his disorderly conduct. I think once that happened, that just probably cemented their decision for themselves. Like, okay, we made the right call. Um, Because if you're waiting until the day of opening night to basically pick who your captain's going to be, you're not doing it right. Um but I'm still surprised with JT. I mean, he was a captain already for the Islanders. He's a consummate pro. The whole cliche, he just comes in, does his job, leaves, doesn't cause any issues. He's a good guy in the room. He's from Toronto. So not surprised. I'm not going to be surprised that he ends up being a good captain because he's already been a good captain uh, for the Islanders. I don't know. I think, for me, it goes back to the negotiations Uh with the Maple Leafs, that maybe they wanted to reward a guy that proved that he left a little bit of money on a table to go back home versus a guy who just caused a little bit of a headache for him. Yeah, what you said about him being with the Islanders, he already been there, he's already done that, he's already been the face of a franchise. And then on top of it, he did it at a place where there was nothing but rumors surrounding everything. Is Johnny staying? Is Johnny going? Hey, are we going to have a rink here next year? I don't know. We should be happy if we have a rink here tomorrow. So I just think for him to already go through all that, I think transition-wise, it's very easy for him. And like you said, when it comes down to just the pure hockey part of it, he goes out every night and he plays. Like, he goes out, he takes a beating in front of the net. He goes to those places where not guys, not too many guys are going to go to score goals. Like, he goes there. I think he leads by example. You look at some of the other guys, it might be a little bit worrisome. Maybe they're too young. Maybe this, maybe that. I just think that's your guy. It just has to be. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. If you choose him between the 23, 22-year-old franchise, all-world, uber-talented center, or a guy who's from the area that's just proven he can be a, a quality captain in the league. So a nice luxury to have in Toronto. Absolutely. Great luxury. And the other thing is, too, just from watching the first couple of games that went on, does anybody in this league have a better wrist shot than Austin Matthews? And he makes that same move every time. You saw it on the highlight reel the other night. The cross-ice pass Mm -hmm. takes it from that back hip, toe snap straight through. It's like, that shot is ridiculous. Like Like, it should be illegal using it against, like, Columbus and Edmonton like there's certain teams like you can't even use it against and for me it's just not a shame I'm not gonna put it like that I'm not Maple Leafs fan but if they played in any other division but the Lightning's division they would be probably for like the next five years the division champion five years in a row 
It's just that they got stuck in the Atlantic with you guys in Boston and then Tampa Bay. Hey, th- these things are unfortunate, but that's why they play the game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry I jumped the gun there. I guess we can get into the weekend reviews now. Uh, I'll kick off with the Rangers. Uh, two games this week. They won both games. Uh, their home opener and season opener against the Winnipeg Jets. They won 6-4. to four. Uh, Pretty uh, aggravating game for me, because, well, for Ranger fans, because we had three one-goal leads in that game, and all three times Winnipeg scored to tie it up. Blake Wheeler, former Bruin, uh, the Rangers are up 2-1. to one. Wheeler scored 33 seconds later to tie it at 2-2. Rangers go up 3-2, and then Blake Wheeler scores again nine seconds later to tie it up at 3-3. I texted you, too. I was just losing my shit about seeing Wheeler come down the middle and then just rip one and tie it up again. Um, but Rangers pull out the win. Uh, then they went up north of the border on Saturday to play the Senators, and that was the Mika Sabanajad show. Uh, hat trick, Panarin with his second goal as a Ranger. Rangers win that one 4-1, and then they have off until this Saturday. And then they don't play again until the 17th. So they play one game in the next 11 days. Uh, so a lot of practice, a lot of teaching going on in New York. Uh, just to kind of take it into a good thing, bad thing uh, for the last week. Obviously, the good thing is Banajad. He is the first Ranger since Roger Bear in 1978 to score eight points in his first two games and the first NHLer to do it since Yarmir Yager in 1995. He's starting off hot with Panarin, that whole line. Him, uh, Panarin, and Buchnevich is doing well. The other thing is Kako looks ready. He hasn't scored yet, but you can, he just fits. And he doesn't look out of place as an 18-year-old in the National Hockey League. Uh, he's shown some bursts of speed and his uh, hand-eye coordination skills. So definitely fitting in there and very promising already. The other, I guess, good thing is Panarin, man, is more than just a goal scorer. And I think both of us knew that going in from seeing him in Chicago and Columbus. But he is a dog on the puck. He's not just one of those. He's not a guy like Rick Nash who turns into a nice two-way forward, but that was to compensate for his loss in goal scoring. He's just, every shift, if there's a loose puck, he's on it. If there's a, somebody takes a puck away from the Rangers and off in his own, he's the first guy back, uh, back-checking that guy. Two goals already. I think he has three or four assists to start his career in New York, so fitting in nicely. Now, onto the bad. Brady Shea is slow as shit. And we gave him that five-year extension we're banking on him to be that number one pairing guy he's already been demoted to the second pair after one game uh truba is now playing with Levor hasik on the first pair he's just he doesn't have it man and i know we talked about him at the end of last season when we we're given like our season and reviews but he's he's not a first pair defenseman there's been times already in the first two games this year where he's made poor decisions he's slow to get back on bad pinches and he just plays hot potato with the puck in the sense of he's not he's not looking to make a play. Like you know what I mean? When you see a guy like Tory Krug, he gets the puck, he's looking up, he's getting that puck out from behind his own net, and he's leaning a rush or he's hitting the head man. Shea, the puck comes on a stick and he's just whipping it around the inboards and the sideboards without any idea of where it's going. He's just hoping to get it out of the zone. Um, and the last thing, I guess bad thing would be this is a league-wide epidemic, but I thought the Rangers finally solved this when they got rid of Dan Girardi. The fact that they still have defensemen 
that slide on their stomach or on their knees on two-on-ones two on or three-on-twos, and then they just take themselves out of the play, baffles the shit out of me about why they still think that's a good defensive play. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, you can't really complain. The Rangers loaded in the top six. Kreider hasn't gotten going yet. I know Ryan Schomer's our 2C right now. They, that second line really hasn't even gotten going yet. But their bottom six, not much skill. They got a lot of north-south guys. Lemieux, Leas Anderson, who's had a good start, but he's not going to be a, a offensive dynamo. And then just a lot of bottom six north-south guys. So we got to fix that if we're going to actually make a run out of playoffs. But a pretty good start undefeated 2-0. Well, coming from another guy who's also 2-0, the game, the first game opening night against Dallas, one thing I noticed just from the get-go was the Bruins played fast. Like, like Dallas came out flying and the Bruins matched it. And for me, it's just exciting to watch that the Bruins can skate with other teams. I know at times that's been our downfall, just kind of a, a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier of a team. I know we have players such as Marshan and Pasternak that can kind of push the pace a little bit, but... At times, that's always been a little bit of our downfall is the north-south game. Can we keep it up? Can we play? They, they did it against Dallas, jumped out, and of course, fucking Brett Ritchie, the, the guy I talk shit about all <laughs> summer, first shot, snapshot, short. I'm like, of course. Like, Know who used to do this to me all the time? Michael Ryder. I would be talking shit about Michael Ryder, saying this useless fuck, blah, 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 and he would shoot a puck, and I'm like, every time. So, Dude, you and Mike in college, that's all I would hear is basically every time I showed up to class for you, it's a Michael Ryder bitch fest. <laughs> oh, my God. It was like he was brutal. And it was every time I would be saying something out loud about him, he would shove it right up my ass. So, I mean, I mean, good for him timing wise. But at the same time, it's like, fuck, really? Because then I look like I really don't know anything about hockey, which is true, too. But um, happy to see that the team was able to play like that. Going into the goaltending part of it, I mean, Tuca played good in the first game. I thought Halak played good in the second game. Uh, not too much I, I can really take away. It seemed like the, the team put it all together. One thing, just a little worrisome, I know we're only two games into the season, but I would like to see some more goal scoring. Currently only three goals through two games, so... A little bit, I mean, the offense might be lagging a little bit, but at the same time, they're getting results. So when it comes to all that, who cares as long as you're winning hockey games, right? Going forward, I mean, still a really tough week for us coming up. We got Vegas tomorrow night, the 8th, and then we have Colorado on Thursday night. Uh, I mean, these are going to be some difficult games. Like, not, not going to really test for you guys. Yeah, I mean... I'm very happy to come out already 2-0 on this road trip, but I think these next two games are huge. Um, EA Sports predicted the Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup, beating the Vegas Golden Knights in six games. I mean, tomorrow night's a huge huge test for them. So are they able to contain the players such as Stone? I I don't know. Uh, We're going to see what's going on. And then you go to Colorado and you just have that wagon over there. Like, I know this was already a nightmarish four games to start the schedule in the sense of who you're playing, but to already come out of it 2-0, I mean, if you can come home and sweep this whole thing Mm. just to start the season and lay down some serious tempo, I mean, that would be incredible. 
That, Has Carlo and uh, McAvoy played at all? I know they held out, so they had a late entry into camp. Yeah, I mean, they're both playing. The the one thing with McAvoy that, that I see sometimes, and it frustrates me, but at the same time, it's his game, is that sometimes he just jumps into the play in, in a little bit of a riverboat gambler where he's in it. You know, you're in the offensive side of things. I get that. That's the type of player that you are. But you have to know when to give up and come back and play defense because one thing I've noticed, and this is league-wide, not just with the Bruins, as to how bad forwards are at playing defense in the National Hockey League. Oh, yeah, dude. I've noticed that with the Rangers, too. They don't help the D-men out at all, as much as they used to when we were growing up. Oh, like, but it's like it's almost like they don't even do drills anymore. Like I remember when you were a kid, you know, you dr- you jump up front, you do some offense, you do some defense. As you get older, obviously, it kind of switches up. But there was always some guys who would do both just to kind of stay fresh. And it's just it's awful. You, you, like it's almost like the the forwards can't even fucking skate backwards. Like they, they just can't keep up. And to me, it's just painful because to be a well-rounded player and you hear it all the time as to, you know, keep guys wide, play your dots. It's almost like they start skating backwards. And since they don't do it as much, they don't know what angle to take or this. It's like, how like Marshan, for example, when there comes an odd man rush and it's a three on two or a two on, and he has to play, like I sit there, I'm like, like Marshy, what the fuck are you doing? Like, j- just play your lane, skate backwards in a straight line right by that dot. It like if someone jumps in front of you, jump them. But outside of that, keep them wide. And it's like you watch and you're like, wow. Like, I-, I just think for the best league in the world, I I would just hope or think that forwards coming back would just have a little bit more prowess as to how to defend. The, the, that's just my whole thing. That's a league wide thing. But no, just stemming from the mcavoy thing like that's just something i've seen with him where he's in the zone a little too long and then if a puck comes and someone jumps it at the boards and now you're not able to make that pinch you're coming back the other way and it's just it's just not always the best luck um so pretty much the next week week and a half is the complete opposite for our teams the rangers have off until saturday and then they play the edmonton oilers at home and then they're off for four more days and then they play the devils and you got two of the best teams in the Western Conference line end up on our road. So good luck to you. Yeah, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so I think it's time. I think it is time for us to bring back our game of the week and lock of the week picks. Let's see if this season, at some point, I can narrow you down to just one for each. But let's get this thing started. <laughs> Who do you got for game of the week and lock of the week? I'm going with... The same game for okay. both game and lock. Uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday the 8th, San Jose at Nashville. I think this is a good test for both teams. Um, San Jose, are they able to jump back into it and do something? I know they have not had the best start that they wanted. Vegas is beating up on that ass. So this is a good retribution game for them. Nashville, 1-1 one and one coming into it. I mean, at home national television show us what you got fellas and that's who i'm going with i'm going with the preds i think they come out and they make a statement tomorrow night knowing that uh they get a nationally televised game oh going out 
I like the first pick. I'm going with a layup, but you go with San Jose Nashville, which is pretty much a toss-up this early in the year. Um, for me, my game of the week pick is also tomorrow night, Tuesday, October 8th. I'm going Dallas on a road against the Washington Capitals. I think both teams, obviously, a lot of offensive firepower. The Stars are a team on a rise. Uh, I think that's going to be a good test for their young guys in their top six on the back end. And the Capitals, it's just trying to keep down the the upstart teams coming out there throwing a little bit and having a team, especially on a road from the Western Conference, uh, sets out to be a pretty good battle there. My lock of the week, like I said, I'm doing a, I'm doing a toss-up. And that's going to be Saturday, October 12th, the Lightning on the road against the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> I hope... I hope Ottawa can just pop one in, just like a like a one nothing win, just to like, oh my god, that'd be phenomenal. I w- I would shut off my phone on Saturday afternoon if that were to happen because I don't want to hear from you. Oh, uh, I I think that would be phenomenal. <laughs> um. All right, moving on to today in NHL history. So today is Monday, October seventh. We'll start nineteen ninety two. The Tampa Bay Lightning earned their first win in franchise history. They beat the Chicago Blackhawks 7-3 at the Expo Hall. Uh, forward Chris Conto scores first goals, his first career NHL hat-trick. It's the highlight of their inaugural season, which ends with a record of 23-54-7. In, in 1972, the Islanders play the Atlanta Flames at Nassau Coliseum. It's the first game for each of the NHL's two newest teams. The Flames win 3-2 on a third-period goal by third-period goals by Bobby Leiter and Ray Como. And in 1986, the Red Wings named 21-year-old center Steve Eisman as their captain. He would remain their captain until his retirement in 2006. He was also their youngest captain in team history. And last, I'll just toss this to you as a nice little bone. 1995, Cam Neely of the Boston Bruins becomes the first player in NHL history to have a hat trick on opening night twice in his career. My man. <laughs> Who do you got for shout outs? Uh, so, shout outs this week. We went up to, well, I went up to Pat's house. Rather stayed home with the kids. But uh, went up to our boy Patty Cake's house up in New Hampshire on Saturday night. Had a ball with everybody up there Pat, Brownie, Kai Kai, Baby Sky. Moose, Ricky, Lacey. Are these real people? These are all real people. Like, yeah, I had a blast. I hadn't seen these people in forever, so it was just nice for everyone to get together and, and have a few pops and have a good time. Uh, Big Red for allowing me to do that, so it was a very nice night out. Also, I, I'm just throwing this out there, too. Uh, this might be a little bit of a rant, not really a shout-out. Do not, and I mean this as a fact for, for everybody, don't come at me on social media about bullshit because when it comes to talking shit, I am very good at what I do. I'm very good. At, and I'm not talking about podcasting. I'm talking about talking shit. I will talk shit till the bitter end. I, I actually even sent the thing to uh, the old guy I work with Papa and it was something along the lines of, you know, don't worry if, if just know that if they killed me, I talk shit until the bitter end. It, and me and him are cut from the same cloth and you know it's just one of those things that's funny but i'm not naming names i'm not naming people because i'm not throwing people out there but yeah do you happen to know anybody that cuts hair i don't i don't know anybody oh, okay. I'm, I'm just saying that don't 
talk shit on my post, and then when I go at you and you're a grown man, you're going to block me on social media. Like, well, don't be you know, a coward. Everybody has their calling, Kevin. Everybody has their art, and your artist's art is talking shit. Yeah, and I mean, it's a gift. It, it is a gift. Like, some people aren't good at it. Some people, you'd say something to them, and they'd be like, uh, like, no, it, it's good. Uh, I I can be fucking relentless. I know that. But at the same time, like, I didn't do anything to get a rise out of you. You wanted to write on my shit. So you open that door, and then when I say something, you get all upset. So... Well, Don't. I mean, I know who I'm going to be going to for fantasy football advice this Sunday. Perfect. Like, just don't be a fucking poly pissy pants after. That's all. That, that, that's all <laughs> I got. Uh, shout outs for me this week. Obviously, First Lady, uh, we've been settling into our new place out here in New York. It's a slow process, but we're getting things. Well, we're pretty much, we're all unpacked. It's just pretty much adding furniture well, more furniture and just like decorating and painting and stuff in the place. So, uh, shout out to her for her ever ending, never ending patience in terms of seeing me getting frustrated with the simplest of shit. Um, and also shout out to her family and her parents. They've been, we live about a five minute drive and 15 minute walk from her parents' house. And they have been loading us up with home cooked Chinese food and it has been fantastic. Love the dumplings, love the stews, love the soups. So shout out to them for the free food. I doubt they will ever listen to this unless I actually become president and they're going to want to know what I've been doing. Uh, so those are my shout outs this week. Oh, and I actually just got the, the trade finalized for the Rangers. The Rangers traded Vladimir Mesnikov to the Ottawa Senators for defense prospect Nick Ebert or Ebert and a fourth round pick in the 2021. On NHL entry draft, no salary retained, so his full four million dollars is off the books for the Rangers. Uh, and when I go to visit you in New York, am I allowed to bring Fast Phil? Because I mean, you just said a whole bunch of Chinese food and everything else, and I mean, he knows. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I think when you come to New York, it's going to have to be a slow introduction. I think you can, we can freeze dry and bring. You can bring back some leftover food and, you know, ease fill in that way. I think the second time we can make it a big thing. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I know how I'm not the easy – like, I'm good in, like, little increments. So, I mean, I don't want to horrify the in-laws I'm, already. I mean, she's That's already all. met you. So, the first lady's fine. Oh, no, I'm just talking about her family. I just don't want to horrify <laughs> them from the get-go. That's all. Um. But yeah, that's it for me this week. I also shout out to Red. I saw that she was going through all the uh, hand-me-down clothes on Instagram last night and the big pile of clothes. I was wondering if you were stuck underneath there and if she was going to ever uncover you. No, so she's actually currently up there right now with a friend and they are, um, dude, she is throwing out a whole bunch of stuff. I was, I walked in, I saw, nope, I, I'm out. I just, I, <laughs> I, got, I got a little overwhelmed. There was... There was a lot of clothes, there was a lot of hangers, there was piles, there was a trash bag taller than me, and I was like, I'm out. Just, nope, don't want yep. any part of it. You have a plan, you know what you're doing, all right, I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, I was just, oh, okay, you look like you know what you're doing. Good, good. I'm out. Yeah. So well, the, just tell her to save some of those baby clothes for that guy on social media. Yeah, I will let her know that. The baby clothes, oh my god, the baby clothes, hair clothes, there is so much crap. I'm just happy it's getting out of my house. So, everybody... Thank you for always is listening. Uh, next week, we'll be back with another jam-packed week. We'll see what the uh, NHL has in store for us this week. 
But as for us, I mean, we're just happy that hockey's back. We'll catch all y'all then.